From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 224 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today, the question we're exploring together is when in the midst of suffering, where do we find the meaning? Because life is suffering. And we will explore today the suffering of Viktor Frankl in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And we will explore the movie Groundhog Day because that movie brilliantly and beautifully depicts the movement out of suffering from a state of conformity, just being so comfortable in the identity of the sufferer and, and your current self and reaching rock bottom and how someone actually managed to change their character completely. And the movie depicts that unbelievably well. Um, and I, I love that movie because every time I examine it or look at it, there's always something new that comes up to the surface and it, and it shocks me. I'm like, oh my God, this movie's so profound and deep. And I want to explore a little bit about the movie because it is February after all when I'm recording this and it is Groundhog Day. Um, so let's dive into the suffering of existence and how we can move beyond that. And so I want to start this episode off with a quote by Viktor Frankl. He says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to, to change ourselves. And that is beautiful. Absolutely so. Uh, and I want to dive into Viktor Frankl. And if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he wrote this brilliant book, one of my favorite books of all time, called Man's Search for Meaning. And he's a psychiatrist, um, and he was in the Nazi concentration camps in World War II, and he survived. He got out, and he was liberated and returned to, I think, Vienna after he was liberated. But he, he wrote this book documenting what he saw in the other prisoners, how other pris prisoners were able to survive, uh, their mindset and why other prisoners, well, didn't survive. Because he saw that, well, he came to the conclusion that there are three possible sources of meaning. And the first one is, well, purposeful work is going to provide meaning. Love will provide meaning. And the courage to face adversity, the courage to face difficulty. Now, what led to so many deaths in the concentration camp? Well, besides the gas chambers, um, was the loss of hope these prisoners would uh, confront. Now, many people threw in the towel, and the mind settles on a certain outcome rather than faces and focuses on the present moment. Now, what I mean by this is, when you're in the midst of suffering, the mind goes, well, how do I get out of this suffering right now? And I 
love David Goggins and how he explains this. Um, he went through Hell Week, Navy SEAL training, and on day one of Hell Week, there's surf torture where you're you're moved into the ocean to just be in the cold water, right? And that's your that was day one, and he was in the cold water, and his mind went, "Oh my God, I have one more week of this." So when he was faced with that suffering, the mind goes, "Okay, what is the way out of this?" Now it's interesting because it seems counterintuitive, right? Because you find the meaning in suffering, but when you're in the suffering, why does the mind go, "Okay, I got to get out of here"? If if really the suffering is going to make us stronger, right? You kind of think like, well, why is, isn't the mind evolved to to want to be in suffering? But there has to be suffering, right? Like suffering is its own course. And I want to dive into that a little bit because I thought about this from an evolutionary perspective. Well, the mind should you know, when we go out into the unknown, it should be on high alert, right? Because there could be things lurking in the darkness that could potentially kill us and we need to respond accordingly. So we have this fight, flight, or freeze response that has been protecting us because, you know, if we didn't have that response, we'd walk into pits, we'd walk into predators, we would walk into... Uh, would, we would walk into very terrible situations and we wouldn't be able to propagate and move our species forward. And so it makes sense from that perspective that we need this system when we are in the unknown to go, okay, well, let's, oh my God, maybe we shouldn't be here. Maybe we should get out of here, right? So like Goggins, when he was in the water, the mind went there. He, he was like, okay, the, I got to get out of this situation. This is pain. This is suffering. This could cost me my life. And so what happened there, and I love how he describes this, why he stayed in the water rather than quit, like a lot of the other uh, people quit in, in Hell Week. He noticed that his mind would go to the worst case scenario, but he also rationalized where the mind was going. And he, he, he thought, okay, well, if I were to get out and quit, that hot shower would be nice. That hot, hot cup of coffee would be nice, but that comfort will be short-lived. And not only that, the guilt and shame of quitting will linger and then going back to his old existence, well, that was very unpleasant to him because there's a reason why he chose to do this training, right? Something called forth from within him told him that this was the way forward this was to make you into a stronger person because he thought of himself as a very weak pathetic person and he wanted to make something out of himself he wanted to challenge himself and so he was struck with this one second decision do i get out or do i leave and there's that space in between where you can just think okay what is the consequences of 
leaving because we all think of the benefits but what's really going to what what what's what's on the other side of that comfort and that's what kept goggins in the water the fear of confronting his older self and being stagnant in that life right so with frankel Victor Frankl noticed that the quality of work that he implemented in the concentration camp was for him, and it was not for the Nazis. He showed himself that even under so much suffering, he can accomplish great things. He can progress. He was looking to his own progression and striving and goals rather than settling on some outcome that hey i'm going to be saved so i'm just going to you know it's one day at a time like he's thinking so far ahead but in the present moment is where you focus on the meaning that this suffering can provide for you Right? This is an opportunity for me to battle me and see progression in myself. I'm not doing it for other people. A lot of people nowadays, they do hard work so they can get the praise from other people. But what happens when you're in a tyrannical camp like uh, Auschwitz and the people are torching you out of fun? The Nazis are really enjoying watching you suffer. Even Goggins said when he was training, the instructors loved to see him and the other men suffer in the water. And so he, he, he noticed that this was for him and not for them. This was to prove himself wrong, his older self wrong. And Frankel saw in the concentration camp that many of the Jews... Well, they got their hopes up when word got around that they were going to be uh, saved by Christmas time. And when Christmas came and the Jews noticed no one was coming for them, a lot of, a lot of them died from the loss of hope. Their hope died, and so did they. And... He, Frankel must have found so much beauty in how much the human spirit can thrive under so much torture. And the connection he must felt, he must have felt with the other prisoners going through that torture together. Um, and the fact that he transcended the 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 outcome mindset towards the present and the the battle uh, the one ag him against him is is really remarkable because if I like I thought about this if I were to be in Frankel's shoes how would I handle such extreme adversity and you know the likelihood of me thriving as much as he or some of the other prisoners like might be, not be 
might not be there. Like, who knows, right? Like, I like to think that I overcome a lot of chaos and adversity, but I also say, like, under those extreme circumstances, and the mind uh, moving towards quitting, giving up, who's to say how I would have handled it under those circumstances, right? But in my day-to-day, I very much value doing things that make me uncomfortable. I value that because on the other side of that suffering, I feel tremendous. I feel like I overcame something I never knew I could. And I feel like that's what Frankel got so much from the concentration camp was him seeing this this new level within himself emerge each and every day, how much his body could endure and how much he could endure and seeing this growth within him. And that's something the Nazis could not take away. And the other thing, love, that he mentioned was something that tyrannical societies, they can't take away. And if you've read the book 1984, you see that love is something that the society just can't not take away. Yes, they can infiltrate your thoughts as much as they can. Yes, they can control you as much as they can. But the underlying thing of the underlying, the underlying love that is present within us as human beings is untouchable, no matter how tyrannical a society is, there will be love. And love for me, how I view love is this wow feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It's this, wow, look how beautiful you are. Look at your soul, not being so identified to, to this certain aspects about you but the 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 potential within the person is so beautiful for me and just to feel that when in the when amongst other people is truly truly uh beautiful and so in groundhog day let's go to this movie because like I said at the beginning, this movie really speaks to me. And when I, I did a three-part podcast series before on this movie, it's episode 119, 120, and 121. I recommend that you go back and listen to that. They're hour-long episodes, which is awesome because I can go into the movie. I go into the movie uh, in a lot more detail. But let's talk about this briefly today, this movie, because it's so powerful. And we see Phil. He's this news anchor. He's, I can't remember where he was working out of Chicago or something. I can't remember, but um, he's miserable, right? At the the beginning of the movie, oh my God, he's bitter, resentful, he's rude, he's arrogant. He has a big chip on his shoulder. And we see that he is yearning for... Uh, this this uh, transfer to, I think, Florida or somewhere tropical. So you see here, like we've talked about this earlier, 
the outcome mindset, right? He thinks that, okay, once I have this, I'm going to be happy. Once I'm in the tropics, I want to be, I'm going to be happy. And this was my old mindset, by the way, because I remember, you know, feeling unfulfilled and weak in, and uh, unsatisfied in my life. Not necessarily weak, but just unsatisfied. Uh, but I was weak, but I just didn't think of myself as weak at the time because I'd, I also had a big chip on my shoulder. And I, I thought, well, if I went, I was traveling, I'd be happy. If I was, if I was doing this, I would be happy. If I was famous, I, I would be happy. If I had a million dollars, I would be happy. And that's a lot of the mindset today in, in society. That's where people are at, you know, feeling unfulfilled and with no meaning. And what's so beautiful about Groundhog Day is the movie depicts, the, the movie shows that no matter the circumstance in your life, you have to wake up in your mind and body. You have to wake up being you, right? And not only that is... You have to experience your being every day. There is no escaping you. There is no escaping this suffering. You can travel to Mexico or uh, Florida or wherever you want to go. That's great. But the suffering that you haven't fully contended with and transcended, it's going to be there. right? The traumas of your past... The, the mindset that you have, it's not going to radically change because you got up and went to Florida, right? It's the, the, the change comes from being very true and honest with yourself, which, which we will get into. But I want to go back to the beginning of Groundhog Day. Um, Why this movie is profound is because it beautifully lays out how one can transcend suffering. Now, Phil, he is reporting on this Groundhog Day festival in this, I don't know, I think it's town uh, called Punxsutawney. And he, he, is, he is so unhappy to be there. His camera crew... They don't want to be around him. They're making fun of him behind his back. It's very comical. And, you know, it's cold. It's cold out. He's outside of his comfort zone, right? And then he wakes up. He he just, he kind of gets through the day. He's miserable, right? He does the reporting. But then the next day he wakes up expecting to leave. And then I think that's when he starts to relive the same day over. He just wakes up and it's the same day and it freaks him out because a lot of us, we wake up one day and we realize we've been living the same day. That's why this movie's so profound is that we we all reach that point where we, we notice that we've been in this unconscious, mundane, numb repetition for a long time. We are routine creatures after all. Our unconscious mind wants to automate us as much as possible. So it makes sense that 
it, this movie is, is 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 showing us that when we realize the truth of of our unconsciousness, it shocks us because we see Phil. He's 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 going crazy. He's anxious, right? He's afraid of. Oh my God! I'm living the same day. This is not right, and and this movie symbolizes the day to day of the regular person, right? That's the truth of our society right now. And so, Phil, at this point, he looks to quick solutions to solve the problem, like our like our brains do, right? We go to the doctor. He went. He goes to the doctor, gets his brain checked out. Doctor says, "Oh, Phil, you're good." And then he starts to. He goes to his friends or his camera crew and he's like, I'm living the same day. I'm going crazy. And they look at him like, you you are crazy. What's up with you? And then he goes to the bar. I think he starts to drink and then he, he starts to, you know, do things to numb the anxiety that he's experiencing. It makes sense, right? And then he starts to twist the fabric of reality. And so what does he do? Well, he starts to take advantage of people. He notices, you know what? If I'm in this suffering, huh, I'm going to make the best out of this, right? That, like he starts to, I guess, n- entertain this nihilism and hedonism. He starts to go into this hedonistic, per- he, he, he starts to entertain his hedonistic pursuits by taking advantage of women by indulging in food uh money but he notices that the more he indulges his his desires the more unsatisfied he becomes and he notices that okay well i'm still in this loop i'm indulging too much uh and I'm still suffering. I'm still waking up to the same day over and over. Okay, that those aren't working. Okay, those strategies aren't working. And that makes sense. Because I remember when I was suffering from health anxiety, I remember that I wanted to solve the problem of my suffering. So where did I turn? You guessed it. Weed, doctors, reassurance seeking from my parents, Netflix, uh, even food sometimes, a negative friends, and so and sex, pornography, sometimes alcohol. So I love this movie because I see myself at that stage, like Phil when he's overindulging, and I remember thinking, okay, these aren't working. These aren't solving my problem. I'm still suffering. In fact. My suffering has gotten worse because I'm overindulging, because I'm trying to numb all of my anxiety, right? And so I had to change my tactics, and so does Phil, and this is awesome. So what changes for Phil? And when he sees himself progressing in some manner, that's when things start to change, and then he's, he notices that when he is changing, the world, his outside world, is changing and responding to his actions in a different light. Okay, so 
for me, I had to go, okay, this reassurance business, this, this, you know, the, the pornography, the sugar and all of that, that's not working for me. I have to make different sacrifices in my life. And so I started to make sacrifices. I started to change my behaviors, change my routine. And I noticed that the world would respond differently. Things started to get better. Not only did I see myself progress in some way, do things that, hey, you know, this makes me uncomfortable, but I can do more than I thought I could. And that made me hopeful. And I started to notice my anxiety lessening because when you face suffering, you transcend the suffering. The only way through the fire is to face the fire and go through the fire, right? A lot of people don't want to face the fire because, well, it, I might not survive. And that's the hero's journey, right? The, hero, the hero's journey is going outside of the comfort zone of their village, like Bilbo Baggins, right? The Shire, going outside of that, knowing that there's a lot of danger. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there that could potentially do me in, but it's worth it facing that so that I can be more than the person who was living at the Shire. So I can be the hero of my own story because there's nothing for me in that comfort. There's nothing for me in that suffering. It's worth facing the dragons and slaying them. And then the more dragons that you slay, the more competent that you become. And then as you move forward, you're able to slay bigger and bigger dragons because you've just been improving on your bravery and your competence. And outside of the Shire, that's where potential resonates. It's in the darkness around you. And so... We see Phil progress in the movie by he would go to dinner with Rita and his intentions are not good. Right? And it makes sense because we see someone who is at rock bottom, who is very underdeveloped, start to interact with Rita, who is a very intelligent, uh, um, she's more of like a rock. She's very, un she's very conscious. She's very aware she's she is put together she is making the right sacrifices in her life she's like the wendy in the peter pan story right and so phil you know nothing can get by her you know no manipulation if if phil tries to twist the fabric of reality rita catches it you know because she's so awake and phil isn't and so when phil is out to dinner with rita we see that Phil says something stupid, right? And he notices in Rita's face that it's stupid. And he goes, okay, tomorrow is a new opportunity to not do that. And so tomorrow comes, he takes Rita out again, and he doesn't say that stupid thing. So he's making things 1% better, which is awesome, because that's the only way we can progress. And not only that, he he starts to 
listen to what Rita has to say. So Rita says something about poetry or school or something that she loves and he, Phil takes it in, but then he makes another mistake. Rita gets offended and then he's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that tomorrow. And then maybe I should say this to Rita instead. So he's constantly adjusting himself and growing each and every day. And that's how you should approach each and every day as today's an opportunity to get it right. And that is huge, okay? So each and every day, there's a 1% improvement within Phil. And he has to go out with Rita hundreds of times. We see for in order for him to get to this position where they actually start to have this connection, she starts to appreciate Phil. She sees him in a different light. And, and the, you know, he starts to come out of his egocentric, narcissistic ways. Because Rita, what she's doing unconsciously is she's slapping him into a more competent and mature person. Like Peter Pan, like Peter Pan doesn't want Wendy, right? Because, you know, Wendy's a real person, a real woman, and he wants to stay unconscious and King of the Lost Boys on Loser Island, right? Pleasure Island, where, you know, you can stay a child forever. And, you know, in we see Rita as that Wendy type, but we see Phil, he's moving from Peter Pan into into adulthood but it's it's not a pleasant transition because you have to kill off so much of yourself that isn't working and then you have to incorporate the new information that is working for your higher self we see in groundhog day that the suffering of being stuck forces phil to change all areas of his life the impulsive indulgences are short-lived and that's because of their long-term consequences that they have and him noticing those consequences. Uh, soon, we see Phil sitting in this diner and he's listening to classical music and he's wearing these nice clothes and we see him with this grin on his face and he's changing his his behaviors he's changing his pa patterns right and that's important because changing your behaviors is far more sophisticated and realistic to changing your circumstance than to just change your mind you know sit there with affirmations and go i am beautiful i am strong i am a confident person yeah, that's okay. You know, maybe if you do that while you're changing your behaviors, that's way better. But um, you can't just change your circumstance just by one day of listening to affirmations, right? That, that through the discipline, through the repetition of discipline, that's where change occurs. And so throughout the movie, we see that Phil makes 
these sacrifices that start to improve the quality of his life. He starts to get more out of his ego and he starts to aim towards the the betterment of existence, right? He looks to himself first, which you must do. You can't change the world until you clean up yourself and the areas around you that you inhabit. Then when you see yourself get to a better place out of the suffering, you then look towards the world and say, well, I would like to help someone else who went through the same suffering I went through. And I would very much like to give back in some way to those people because I found the answer. And I can't believe I found the answer. And that's what I thought within myself when I got to a much higher place in my life. I thought, if I can get out of Mount Ever, if I can climb this mountain of anxiety and overcome anxiety and rise above anxiety, then I can help someone else who is currently suffering. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you, everybody, for being here, supporting the show. Uh, all I ask of you is to share this show with somebody else you know who would greatly benefit from this information. Rise above anxiety. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.